0: chapter 24 verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the men said to them why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here he is risen remember how he told you while he was still with you in galilee the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified and on the third day be raised again then they remembered his words and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. The word of the Lord. Amen.
1: Let us um, pray for Felipe. Dear Lord, we are thankful um, for all the work you have done in our life, in our church, in our family, in our workplace. Uh, Lord, as you enter into uh, this last Sunday of um, this Call to Be series, Lord, continue to speak to our hearts. Um, Lord, we want to hear your word uh, through Felipe, Lord, may you bless um, his mouth, uh, his spirit, uh, when he's, while he's preaching to us, Lord. Um, we know that you are speaking to our lives, Lord. Um, bless our community. Bless the church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Have you gone to an amusement park? Or do you like amusement park? I like amusement park. <laughs> my wife doesn't like much. But uh, my favorite rides are those that take your breath away, you know? like roller coasters or the elevators that drop you from a free fall. Those are my favorite. Those rides make you feel that your heart is going to jump out of your mouth. Interestingly, that's the same feeling that I get when I receive bad news, when someone in the family passes away, when you get an unexpected diagnosis, when someone close to you gets into an accident. That that feeling of your breath being taken away, the feeling that you're heart's gonna jump out of your mouth or all your strength and energy is being drained out of your body and I think that's how Mary might have felt when she got to the tomb in the sermon series we have had the opportunity to journey with Mary and her interactions with God Jesus and with people and in those interactions We are able to see how God is inviting us to join His redemptive work in our lives and in our community. And today I would like to share with you how God is calling us to live with hope despite the circumstances in front of us. In this passage that James just just read for us, Jesus had died on Friday, then was Sabbath when the Jews rested. Then on the third day, Sunday morning, Mary and the other women, uh, they went to anoint Jesus' body, which was customary um, at that time, part of their burial, burial uh, ritual. You go and you anoint the, the body of the deceased. Arriving at the tomb, they cannot find the body. The body is not there. And I would like to park our car here, like, to pause and to freeze, Like a movie, you know when when they freeze the scene and they're silent and the camera goes around like this showing the background and uh, they go like 180 or 360 sometimes. I would like to, to stop here in this scene where Mary and the other ladies are there standing before the tomb and there's no dead body. Jesus' body is not there. Can you picture, can you imagine Mary there in that situation? What did she feel? Hopelessness. And I want to explore with you the sense of hopelessness. Think with me about the whole Mary narrative. God visited her at the beginning and told her that she would give birth to a son and he would be the liberator and the savior, right? And after much struggle and find a place for this child to be born, finally they find a place in a manger and the child was born. Then angels and people from everywhere come to visit them as a sign that this this is the Son of God. Then this kid, this boy, grows and starts to perform miracles. He turns water into wine. He heals the sick, gathers disciples, And a multitude of people start to listen to his teachings. And now he's dead. Her son is dead. This is so unnatural. A parent should never bury their child. Do you know the pain of a mother or a parent when they have to bury their child? I can't I cannot imagine I cannot picture that pain And here is Mary bearing her son again can you imagine her pain And that that's not all She can she cannot even give a proper burial for her son because someone took her body his body sorry His body is not there There's no closure for her And now Think with me. How is she supposed to believe in all the promises that she heard from God? All the signs that she saw. The water turning to wine. The miracles. The, ministries of, the ministry of Jesus. How, how, is she believe, how is she supposed to believe in God's promises when her son is dead? When I think about hopelessness. I think about Mary in this passage, specifically. When things cannot get worse, it gets for her. So today, I want to to talk about this passage and and see how it can help us to understand about hope. And, And as we talk about hope, our first reaction is to think about the future, but actually hope it's not about the future. Hope is about the present. Hope shapes the present. It does touches the future, but only to fill the present with meaning. As Eugenie Peterson says, hope is a response to the future, which has its foundation on the promises of God. We build our hope on the promises of God. I know that some of us, we were taught that the future is something that you plan for. So we try our best to be prepared for the future. We save money, invest our assets, get ready for what's coming. We have contingency plans, try to anticipate, and then we hope for the future. The problem with this is that planning takes place of hope. And the two things get mixed up and confused. So let me explain to you the difference of planning and hope. Planning is working out of your presentness and moving that into the future, trying to control the future to anticipate to be ready for. While hope doesn't know anything about the future and believes in the promises of God, it is God's action that we are anticipating it's not that we become naive we do make some provisions for a few things in life but we we resist the temptation of trying to be God to control the future and based on the promises of God we release the future with open hands and we say your will be done in the sense When we look at what the bible says about hope we notice that hope connects the two coming of jesus christ in the old testament the hope was the coming of the messiah that was the promise of god he promised the messiah then when we read the new testament we are always looking at jesus's first coming which means his birth life death and resurrection and his second coming again promises of God so between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus we participate in this hope this hope gives meaning to our lives and gives meaning to the present this hope pulls us into the presence of God and in Christ hope does not disappoint us however there are distortions and misunderstandings of hope. And here are two aspects of two misunderstandings that I believe. I'm building on, to be honest, to be, I'm building on on Eugene Peterson, but add a little bit of my taste to this uh, uh, idea of hope. But two ideas of hope or distortion of hope that get people, people disappointed. The first one is fantasy or what the Bible calls presumption. Which is an idea that is taken to be true you're thinking about an idea and you think that is true and it is the refusal to wait and to submit to the will of god it is all about me trying to control the future using my own force let me give you an example and this is real i've seen this happening someone says, if I jump seven waves on the sea at midnight on New Year's Day, God will grant me a spouse. Or if I raise my tithing to 30%, my business will take off. And these are fantasy or presumption examples. Sometimes they can sound uh, a little bit hilarious. But let me give you another example a little bit more down to the earth. Uh, As some of you uh, might know, Um, I'm an accountant by background, and believe it or not, the Lord has been working my life. Uh, Because I used to think that the more money you have, the safer you are for the future. And if I invest my money in X, Y, and Z, I can rest assured that my assets are secure, which is also a fantasy, presumption. Can you guarantee that the market will be always stable or profitable? Housing market, stocks, you know, you know that in a snap of God's finger, the market can crash. That's one misunderstanding of hope. Another one is what we call escapism or what the Bible called despair which is the diminishing of the future into a size that I can handle. You go to the other extreme of the spectrum. You retreat. You escape. You give up. You avoid reality. You go into a survival mode. In this case, you think about the future. is so overwhelming that you give up. And many times with substance abuse, not always, I've seen people without substance abuse in this case. But many times, you go into substance abuse uh, when you despair or escapism. But with that in mind about hope and their misunderstanding, I wanted to go back to our text and see how hope can shape our lives. Mary, you remember the the scene that is is frozen? It's there. Her ground has been taken away. Did she lose hope? Yes. I believe she she lost. But once the angel pointed to reality, once she encountered the risen Jesus, it changed everything. She ran to tell others what she just saw, that Jesus is alive, the good news. And and here, in this kind of narrative, in any other place, uh, you would expect that men would take leadership in this situation men would be the first one to spread the good news of jesus but in the gospel of luke in the entire book luke points that reality is not what society expects in the gospel of luke the poor are closer to the heart of god while rich people are a little far away from that women are treated with dignity, not only Luke, but other gospel as well. Marginalized people get special attention from Jesus. So in the Gospel of Luke, there are already enough hints for you to kind of expect that women would be the first one to preach the good news. So they, the women, Mary, and the others, run and tell the others, the disciples, men, and they did not believe it. To the point that the next passage is the well-known passage called the Road to Emmaus. And two disciples, probably men, are walking with Jesus. And they were still sad, thinking that Jesus is dead, even after Mary had told them that Jesus is alive. Well, why are you saying all, all of this? All to say that the hope that you have in Christ may not make sense to those around you until... They come to meet Jesus, the risen Jesus, in their own journey, like the disciples on the road of Emmaus. But you know, you know the hope that you carry in your heart, and that's what is important. Now, what is the message that the women receive? That the promises of God were fulfilled. It's the gospel, it's hope. His reason. Death has not the final word. And we are called and invited to participate in this hope, in this reality that Jesus is alive and He will come back again. We are called to live our lives in light of this reality. Today, you might have come to church. With many questions about your future, your health, your children, your spouse, your job, your financial situation. And as I mentioned earlier, hope does not know anything about the future but believes. In the promises of god in the promise that christ is risen he has defeated death and he will come back and we will be resurrected in new bodies no matter what lies in front of you sickness illness abandonment family challenge mental health death Unemployment, financial struggles. No matter what is in front of you, we hold on to the hope in Christ. We hold on to the promises and to the reality that Jesus is alive. I know. this this sermon I preach to myself I know that sometimes we would like to have answers to our dilemmas to the challenges and we would like to have at least at least a little bit of control on what is going to happen tomorrow but I believe that to live our lives in hope is to let it go of the false sense of control it is to face the future with open hands with the assurance that he lives death has been defeated and that jesus christ will come again let me finish today reading to you the promises of god and I pray, I pray, as I read this to you, you will find peace. You will find a deep sense of God's presence in your life, a sense that no matter what is going your, a sense that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is going on in your family, no matter what is going on in your business. He got you in his hand. I'll be reading from Revelations, which is the last book of the Bible, chapter 21, which is the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, when things come to an end, to a closure. And uh, John says, John who wrote the, the, the book said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. There was no longer any sea. Do you know why there was no longer any sea? That would be another sermon. But let me tell you this. (laughs) You know, Revelation is is very allegorical. A lot of images, the dragon, the horses, and the sea is an image. Actually, not an image, but a real thing. That sea means that any country that has shore or sea can rely on it for military power. And can rely on it for commercial trades, economic power. So there you go, how God sees the future. How it's going to be the future. No reliance on military, no reliance on economic. Isn't it amazing? There was no longer any sea because of the only reliance that we have. It's in God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will do well with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And now he will wipe every tear from their eyes, every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or cry or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making every, everything new. Now, John, listen up. He said, write, it down. write down this word. For these words are trustworthy and true. Reality, true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Are you tired? Are you thirsty? To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God. I can hear Ruth Miller say now, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And they will be my children. Bless you. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.